0: Hey, hey, hey. welcome to another version of the Pastor Duke Podcast. I want to thank you for tuning me in. I love doing this, bringing the Word of God to you. I hope it's a blessing. Man, we're going to tackle something today that is in your face. Understanding the pagan world. What does that have to do with us? Unfortunately, everything. There are two huge reasons this teaching is critical to our understanding in our spiritual battlefield in these last days of the church age. Number one, it helps us to understand the scriptures, both Old and New Testament, because it's full of paganism. It's Uh, it's the battle between God and Satan, between good and evil. It's been going on for a long time, and it's in our face today. Number two, it helps us to understand the world we are trying to evangelize. It helps us to understand the world our children are facing in their schools, unfortunately. In the Old Testament, the Jews stood alone as a monotheistic people group while the whole world was given of paganism or polytheism the worship of many gods the new testament church marched triumphantly out and against this pagan world and uh, they prevailed the church greater was he that was in the church than he that was in the world and so the western world was overcome that paganism of the western world was overcome by the power of the gospel There was a title given to Emperor Constantine of Rome. The title was called Conqueror of Paganism when he signed into Roman law the Edict of Milan in 313 AD, making Christianity the official religion of the Roman Empire. The pagan temples were converted into Catholic churches. My opinion wasn't that it was a real conquering of paganism. As his new, newly organized Catholic Church was more of a blending of the two, a blending of Christianity, uh, uh, not real Christianity, but a blending of Christianity, as it were, with uh, paganism, kind of uh, not a conversion, but a um, blending of the two. You see, Christians are not made by an imperial decree. Which Constantine declared the empire, "You're now a Christian because I say so." That uh, that that's not the way it works. Constantine also appointed himself head of the church. Well, Jesus had already been head of the church for three hundred plus years. The true Christians of that day did not buy into this new kind of Christianity for many theological reasons. That's 10 other podcasts in of itself. But we're going to get an overview of what pagan looked like then and what it looks like now and what happened then and what can and will happen now. So the real Christians didn't buy into it. But the pagans, they had no problem with the emperor converting the Roman Empire by the signing of a single decree. This is no problem for them. And of course, if they were... Refusing to do so, they would be banished from the kingdom at best, or even worse, death. So here's why. Here's why they had no problem buying in. You see, when you understand what people believe, then you can understand what they do. See, paganism, just another name for polytheism, or the worship of many gods, we know from the scripture that their gods, little g, of course, were demon spirits. In the pagan way of thinking, number one, their gods, little g, were angry at each other, constantly fighting, and their gods were also angry at the people. They hated the people and the people hated them. There's nothing remotely connected uh, with love to anything that's pagan. It was all fear driven, not love driven. Number two, They made sacrifices to appease the wrath of their gods. Smaller sacrifices would be of food. Larger sacrifices would be of animals, the shedding of animal blood. And then the ultimate sacrifice, human sacrifice, Child sacrifice, baby boys, normally between the ages of one and two years old. That's what Baal worship was all about. We read about in the Old Testament why God condemned it so harshly. Uh, they'd offer their virgin daughters uh, about the time of puberty, normally the firstborn son, the firstborn daughter. Why would they do that to appease the wrath of the fertility goddesses? Now they love those children as much as we love ours, but in their in their system of thinking. They so feared these angry gods, it would be best to to sacrifice one of their children, so as to have uh, protection for the rest of their children. How horrific is that? And so when the gospel comes to those people, John 3.16 was music to their ears. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. In paganism, they had to give theirs. In Christianity, God gave his. So you can see why the huge appeal uh, the gospel was to those who were living under the fear of paganism. Number four. The gods, little g, fought amongst themselves, which fleshed out into human wars. That was their explanation for human wars, though gods are warring. Different people groups held to different gods and uh, based on their ethnicity uh, or geography, and um, they fought in defense of their gods. That's how they viewed what was going on in war. Uh, the military. Uh, when went to the God who was the strongest at that given point of time, the defeated people group uh, would view the God they were fighting against was more powerful than the God they had previously worshipped. So they would gladly worship. The new god whose responsibility would be to protect these new worshipers from their old angry defeated god that's why when you go to the ancient museums of art you see hundreds of statues of god bodies without heads and you see hundreds of god heads or busts with no uh, with no bodies they made the heads interchangeable. This is crazy, but it made a whole lot of sense in the pagan world. So it was a quick and easy change to new godheads, uh, to the old god bodies, uh, to save time and money, be good stewardship in a pagan sort of a way when the need occurred. <laughs> My wife takes me to these museums, and I see this fleshed out, and I know why they did it that way. Number five, the gods, little g, would often manifest themselves to their worshipers through supernatural manifestations. The gods or demon spirits would at times indwell certain worshipers where we would see the likes of uh, possessed people walking on hot coals with no bodily harm. Other manifestations were bloodletting where they would cut themselves and bleed out. Uh, We saw that with Elijah confronting the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. There was bloodletting going on, Uh, cuttings of their body uh, with uh, oftentimes immediate healing on the spot. Uh, The people were both in awe seeing this, and the demonic stronghold of fear would be strengthened upon the whole village or region that watched these things take place. I've personally seen videos taken by our missionaries out of Temple Baptist Church in Half Moon, New York, went to Ivory Coast, Africa, videotaped showing the possessed people in these worship services of demons slicing open their gut with razor-sharp machetes and as fast as... As the blood and guts began to spill out, they were healed instantaneously. It just went right back up into them. And not so much as a scar was left behind. The worshipers would often uh, they'd go crazy and work up into a frenzy. Often they would speak in ecstatic languages, which I find very interesting. And often they would show superhuman acts of strength, like jumping up into the air like three or four times higher than any human can lifting objects uh, far exceeding normal human capabilities. These worship services would go on for hours, leave the people completely exhausted, and further tighten Satan's grip on the whole society. Number five, their worship was uh, drum-centric, I mean, in the beating of drums. There was no music, there was no singing, uh, but there was loud, rhythmic drumming and human chanting of mantras inviting the spirits to come building up into a frenzy there would be lots of chanting whereas in our worship service we have singing number 6 in pagan worship all of their all of our judeo-christian morality is completely foreign to the pagan mind if it feels good they did it there is no morality tied to sexuality in paganism. Pagan temples provided prostitutes, both male and female, both heterosexual and homosexuality, was openly practiced publicly in the pagan worship centers. Pagan services would often be viewed by today's standards as sex orgies. It's kind of a rated R uh Uh, podcast but uh, hey we're just looking at the historic facts we were on vacation in italy went to the ruins um where the ashes of i'm losing the name of the city i'm off text now and that was covered by ashes uh, from the volcano about 70 a.d or so and um (laughs) we, we were viewing through the uh the museum there, and uh, there was the sex room. <laughs> we were shocked. We, we went in and uh, we were only in there for a few minutes and we got out of there as quickly as possible. But it just verifies everything that I'm saying here. It was filthy morally. It was just a mess. In their uh, sexual activity in the temples, uh, There was uh, it was more or less the religious gratification for the faithful worshipers. We see in the book of Numbers, chapter 25, verses 6 through 15, the same sexual, moral filth from paganism was happening at the door of the tabernacle built by Moses in the wilderness. God quickly executed judgment on this sad moment in Israeli history. You see what Satan does in his religious rites, he will gladly bring to the Jews and try it over and over again, and he'd also bring... The same thing to Christian churches, if he has the opportunity. Number seven, there are no absolute moral truths in paganism. There was no judgment day awaiting. It was live for now. If it feels good, do it. The fulfillment of the lust of the flesh were the present rewards for worshiping the spirits. Did you ever notice the satanic temptations that he put before Jesus following his baptism? We read about it in the Gospels. Satan offered power. He offered provision. He offered protection to Jesus if Jesus were to bow down and worship him. Of course, Jesus uh, passed that temptation with flying colors. He did not bow down for even one second. But those same temptations are what Satan offers people in paganism. As they make commitment, make their sacrifices, they have have the favor of Satan to bring them power over people, a lot of times sexual power, sometimes financial power. He offers them massive material provisions, and he offers them protection in his own sort of a way. And um, so Satan has always offered the same things to fallen men: sex, uh, money, and power. It ruled the pagan world. Just make your sacrifice worship the demons and eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow you die. There was no giving account for your actions before God in the end. No forgiveness, no redemption. There were various uh, views of the afterlife, including reincarnation. The spirits of the dead were believed to be uh, reachable. You could reach the spirits of the dead through necromancy, which King Saul did, a satanic occult uh, rite he did with the witch at Endor. Again, paganism creeping into Judaism. There are many portals, that word portal is a, an occult word, it means entrances where the demons are invited into a house, into a uh, 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 society, into uh, an event. Uh, the portals into the netherworld is a common Old Testament or netherworld, which is the invisible, dark world of demonic spirits. It's what Ephesians 6.12 talks about for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual powers and spiritual wickedness in dark and high places. So necromancy is one of those uh, uh, rites that are practiced today. Common occult uh, drawing cards or portals Tarot cards, Ouija boards, crystals, seances, channeling. Channeling, which Hillary Clinton brags about uh, long long channeling the spirit of Eleanor Roosevelt. Sounds so cute. It's a cult worship activity. It's pure evil. The recent social phenomena of cutting, especially among young people, piercing, and bodily mutilation was all part of pagan practices all through history. Have you noticed? It's all back. There are dark spiritual powers behind the moral insanity that confronts us today. 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 3, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some would depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils carnal spirits seducing spirits be assured be assured demonic moral doctrine will be 100% opposite godly moral doctrines let me explain that to you God's doctrine your bodies are fearfully and wonderfully made treasure your body take care of your body The doctrine of the devils, your body is pathetic, it's nothing. Cut it up, disfigure it, paint it, uh, fill it full of alcohol, fill it full of drugs and toxins, eat crappy food. God's doctrine, he made both male and female with heterosexuality and procreation within the confines of marriage. Not before, sex not before marriage, that's fornication, and not outside of a marriage, that's adultery. Demonic doctrine, the exact opposite. Fornication, adultery, homosexuality, pedophilia, bestiality. And now gender dysphoria? For 6,000 years of recorded human history, two genders sufficed, both male and female. But the past few years, an additional 71 genders have emerged. I assure you, demonic Sexual forces are behind it. I just finished reading Jonathan Cahn's newest book called The Return of the Gods, little g. The best read for me in the past 20 years. He gives the historic and biblical realities of the false gods we see over and over again in Scripture. Who was Baal, also pronounced Baal? Who was Ashtaroth? Who was Samaramus? Who was Tammuz, Tammuz? I've heard it pronounced differently. What were their titles, their purposes, their direction? How did they work? How were they worshipped? You'll learn, as Scripture promised, they are back bringing havoc upon this last day's culture, just as they did in ancient day cultures. Khan uses Jesus's illustration of the house cleansed from demonic powers. If it is not properly fulfilled, In time, the demons return, bringing seven more demons even more evil than the first. Look at the moral filth being taught in our public schools today. It looks like Jesus, his warnings were not heeded. The wokeism of our present world is no more than the rebirth of ancient paganism. What goes around, unfortunately, comes around history if we don't learn from history's mistakes we repeat them when jesus came the whole world was under pagan worship except of course for little israel which surely had its own uh slides into the darkness on occasion we read about in scripture pagans uh lived deplorable moral lives both sexually as i have mentioned before And ethically, which I'll look at now for a moment, there was no blessed hope, no redemption, no absolute, (laughs) no absolutes, except they were absolutely against any absolutes. I find that so interesting. It's the same today. I find it ironic. (laughs) No absolute truth. And they're absolutely sure about that. Uh, That's their problem, not mine. Today's tolerance movement is violently opposed to tolerating anything biblical, Christian, or Judeo. Anything goes except ancient biblical truths. They'll say, well, that's your truth. No, no, no. Truth is truth, and lies are lies. Pagans were lost. They lived in the dark. They were troubled by spirits. They lived in constant fear. They lived in the moment, controlled by bodily desires. Uh, Personal moral integrity was unheard of. And if somebody tried to have that type of integrity, they would just be mocked. They would be called deplorables. Uh, Oh, that, that was recently. Moral relativity and situation ethics ruled their day. Get all you can, as much as you can, as soon as you can, at anyone else's expense. Children and women were sex toys. There was no social value given to people. People were expendable. Power was everything. Power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts, absolutely. That was the world Jesus sent his followers into on what we call the Great Commission. Jesus said, I send you forth as sheep into the wolves. And yet, he promised the gates of hell uh, and paganism would not prevail against his church. He assured them, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The power of the gospel, the power of the blood, the power of the empty tomb, the power of a risen Christ would conquer, not without persecution, martyrdom the inquisition the dark ages but his church would prevail and it did and history shows that jesus promise was kept satan would have no chance to prevail by persecution or martyrdom Satan was, as it were, driven from the house, 313 A.D., signing to the Edict of Milan, and monotheism would rule the Western world. That story of Jesus, the house emptied out, happened in 313 A.D. Paganism was driven out under Constantine, and the Bible says Jesus said, until the time of the end, when in the last day's society, Uh, those demons would return to the house. Jesus said it will be as the time of Sodom and Gomorrah. The house cleansed would be taken back by seven more spirits, more evil than the first. And we've watched that happen in American culture in my lifetime. This is said to be the post-Christian era in America. Obama gleefully, joyfully proclaimed America is no longer a Christian nation. And unfortunately, I think he was right. Driving the Bible out of our schools, out of our public arena, has exacted a horrific moral toll on our nation. We've killed 64 million of our most innocent via abortion, offering our children on the pagan altars of sexual promiscuity and financial convenience. We save the whales and we kill our babies. We praise the perverted and we shame traditional values in our culture today. We elect the most shameful people to politically represent us. Most politicians came to Washington on the poor side of things, but in only a few years they become rich. Financial immorality. It's called fraud. And according to James, chapter five, verses one through three, a monetary collapse comes in the last days. That may be be the coming economic reset the great reset the personal digital ids are talking about in the world economic forum well whatever it's all set up by fraud in politics fraud in media fraud in silicon valley fraud in government agencies fraud in big pharma fraud in social media and in big tech in paganism there is no moral restraint there's no fear of judgment, no fear of God. Survival of the fittest, they learned in their evolutionary classes, they practice today in the marketplace. The fake science uh, of evolution of our day, they practice it now. Uh, and Satan's earliest lie that he gave to Eve in the Garden of Eden ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Satan, the author of paganism, is saying exactly the same thing in our godless technology uh, today, our godless technocracy is what I'm trying to say, our godless technocracy of today taking over our world. Have you let Bill Gates explain to you? Have you let Yuval Noah Harari explain to you? about transhumanism science, where man can live forever, Uh, part man, part machine, you know, human 2.0, a new version of eternal life. They plan for the elite in the New World Order, kind of like Hitler's demonic super Aryan race. Today's transhumanism is all that plus all that on steroids. New technology, all based on the same old lies. Old (laughs) pagan-drawn chariots uh, and the new pagans uh, drive cars. It's the ancient epic battle of the universe playing itself out in the final chapters. The genetic apocalypse we see in Genesis 6, 1 through 3, where the fallen angels, called the sons of God, sexually cohabited with the daughters of men. There was a tampering of the human genome, in my view, it produced giants in the land. It produced men of renown. It clearly crossed God's line, and judgment came in the form of the flood. Today, genetic tampering is everywhere. began with cloning little sheep molly, and then it advanced into genetically modified plants, and now we have human 2.0. China, Russia, and the United States are in a scientific genetic bending race behind the closed doors in the labs of mad scientists working on super soldiers, a genetic apocalypse. They have a term called CRISPR. It's used to slice and dice human genes to produce something sort of human and sort of not, part human and part machine, you know? <laughs> Men of renown, kind of like Genesis 6 all over again. I believe man has crossed the genetic line again. What might Jesus have meant when he said, in the time of the end, it will be as the days of Noah? Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. What was, will be. The ancient pagan spirit controls, our Lord said, would be back in the time of the end. And they are. They're ugly. They're pathetic. They leave people empty, used, in despair. They fill people full of anger and hate. What think ye might be driving the epidemic of teen suicide? It's the spirit of paganism is back. Well, what do we do? We do the same thing the early church did. We live out our faith in front of them without apology, without compromise. We don't try to be politically correct. Now, we stay nice and have a good attitude as we stand. We shouldn't be on the offensive to, to just ridicule and put them down, but to live out our faith in front of them. They may hate us, but they'll soon see that they need what we have. They have their new world order and their personal digital IDs. We have Christ's return. We have the rapture of the church. And as that early church, we stand alone. We love our enemies. We pray for those who despitefully use us. We owe them to show them Jesus. And so, my friends, welcome to the last day's spiritual mess. Looks like the prophets, looks like Jesus knew exactly what they were talking about, how it would be, and so it is. Again, I would recommend Jonathan Kahn's book, Return of the Gods, to go deeper in this topic. But uh, just remember, that early church, greater was he that was in them than he that was in the world, and same for us today. So friends, let's, uh, let's stand up. Stand up for Jesus. We're soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner. It must not suffer loss. And so I'd remind you, we win. Paganism loses. So give your heart to Jesus. Stay close to him. Stay in the word. Saturate your minds with God's word. Love one another fervently. Plug in deeper at church and wait for his return. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. God bless. See you next time. Bye-bye for now.